Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. Jumping on a few minutes early here if you're watching live through the Patreon. We got to make sure Dan gets out of here on time for hard knocks. We don't want him to jump off. Dan, when you left early last week, if you notice, we have an overlay on the, the YouTube channel. So when you left, there were lines and like cutting up, <laughs> like Mitch in my face, like there was cut in half. You can't be doing that. But anyway, he's back with us tonight before the Dallas Cowboys uh, hit hard knocks at 10 o'clock tonight. But we were joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's up, Dan? Yeah, I apologize. My Cowboys fandom, uh, you know, kind of threw your curveball at the end of the last episode. But, you know, you're good friends. I appreciate you catering with a few minute early start here tonight, man. And, hey, we're another week closer to week one, just over three weeks from the Cowboys Bucks, which Thursday night will kick off the NFL season. How much more, uh, you know, fantasy could we cram in in three weeks, boys? How much more can we learn? We can get a lot in. We had some good questions in the Discord. I, I know. Listen. Every single week, I'm talking about the Discord. I'm talking about the Patreon. And people that, you know, listening, probably like, all right, JB, shut the heck up. Like, we get it. But it is really a fantastic community. Up to almost 200 people in there in the Discord. Conversations 24-7 from various different countries. Like, when I wake up in the morning, and Mitch, even more so for you, because you're out there in Utah, your phone has to have message after message after message. But the Discord is fantastic. The Patreon, we're kicking out a lot of great projects and Dan's talking about what we have three weeks until week one Thursday, September 9th. We're hosting a live watch party. I, I think I'm going to kick that off guys. The, uh, the quarterly virtual happy hour type thing, but some of the guys said they wanted to do it during a game, kind of like a watch party. Dan, I have a feeling you won't be able to watch because that is the Dallas Cowboys versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But anyway, a lot of great things going on here at Dynasty Theory. We're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DynamoMC on Twitter. Mitch, have you figured out your camera? Are you good? I feel like you're still playing around with it. I have. Well, see, my computer died two days ago. Like a Windows update happened and it died. So I just barely have it going back and I want to make sure everything, you know, is set up properly for the podcast because it's really all that I care about for this computer. So. So far, so good. Don't act like you're not playing those video games. The, I haven't yet. I'm not sure if it'll run. Yet. What is it? That LCS thing? You, you League of Legends, you, man. Yeah, you're winning. You're winning money on DraftKings or whoever hosts it. I don't know what you're doing over there. But okay, so back to football talk. I, I can't even believe I brought up League of Legends. Holy, it's crap. amazing. What, it's about time. It's yeah, about time. Oh, I feel dirty. Anyway, so we had this pop up last time. I mentioned it. I think in the Discord. Somebody wanted to know and you know, certain targets that we're looking at for rebuilds. And at this point in the offseason, you have a fairly good idea. Maybe not, oh, this is a top two team or a bottom two team. But, hey, this is a team that can really contend. Or this is a team that I have to make some moves to put myself in a situation to win now. Or something that's going to better me down the road. So looking at a rebuild, and I know everybody's sitting there thinking, you guys put out an episode a month ago about rebuilding strategies. That was more overarching strategies. 
this is going to be digging into specific players. So kind of transitioning into that throughout the offseason, we've got like a really nice three-month stretch of theory, theory, theory. And now it's going to kind of transition into more players and get more on that that uh, micro level and really go over specific targets that we're looking at. So, Dan, I want to start with you. Like I said, about a month ago, we talked about the the larger scale strategies just very quickly, like 30 second blurb to recap what we talked about. What's one or two of your favorite strategies if you're entering a rebuild? I think my quick recap, JB, thinking back is to remind our listeners, and we've talked about having a couple rosters that are in maybe retool versus rebuild mode, but you don't have to blow your team completely up. You could gradually chip away, which was which is what I did with a couple rosters, chipped away throughout the offseason and still chipping away. Like there's rosters that I have been rebuilding all offseason, but again, didn't blow it up and probably going to run that guys right up to the trade deadlines in the leagues. You know, we, we consumed as much offseason information as we can. Now we're going to continue some new information coming up here as the regular season starts. And you only need to make the playoffs. So sometimes it's easier also to go young with not just rookies. If you're not blowing it up for all those first round draft picks, let's find there's year two, year three players that could potentially break out. They could get at a better value. So I think it just in summary, chip away. You don't necessarily have to blow it up and find those value players that aren't always rookies, maybe year two, year three guys. There are a lot of great players and we're going to hit on them throughout the episode but players that you might not think, oh, that's a guy I want to get on my team if I'm rebuilding. But you brought up a good point. And Mitch, I don't so much want to talk about your overall strategies, Mm -hmm. but we've talked about this countless times. All three of us, especially Mitch and myself, we are very large portfolio players. We have a large number of leagues, but... I put this out there on Twitter. I put it in our Discord, and I said, it was a poll, and I said, how many Dynasty Leagues are you in? Zero, one to three, uh, four to ten, you know, whatever it was. And, so, you know, not surprisingly, most people, they're just in a handful. Mm -hmm. So if you're in one, two, three leagues, just like Dan brought up, we're not, it's tough to really advocate and push, oh, you got to blow it up, because then, that's only that's one of your only leagues. So I, I think that that advice really gears more towards the average dynasty player. So, Mitch, what are your overall thoughts on that and kind of catering more towards rebuilding advice for somebody that's in one or two leagues? Yeah, I mean, if you're doing that, you honestly probably should have started off with uh what's it called? Progressive struggle. I always say it wrong. That's not right. Huh? Productive, productive, productive. That's right. You, you had, you had a few of the letters right there. That's right. That's right. And the reason why you do that is because it's really hard to have to enter a real bit, a rebuild in the first three or four years because you're building with youth and through draft picks. So really, if you're in one to two to three leagues, it's what you should do. But if you find yourself, you're just, you have a team who you don't think is going to make the playoffs and it's not so bad that it's going to get the one 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 thing you want, I really think you should do, is decide you have six months to blow this up. Especially if you're only in two to three leagues, you have a lot more time to work trades. You could try to do one trade a week in that. And if you're doing, you're just making little moves. You're moving off of, let's say you have Daniel Jones, right? You have Daniel Jones on a team like that. 
he could be out of the league next year. He could be a backup next year. And so what you want to do with him is you just want to do a slight move off of him. If you can move off him and get to a Sam Darnold, maybe, and you do that, I believe Sam Darnold will be a quarterback for two years in the league, right? And it just gives you just that little move that's going to help you out on a rebuild without having to completely blow it up. I like what you said, and I'm just, it's like ping pong. I'm just going to keep bouncing it back and forth here. So Dan, Mitch brought up, we still have plenty of time. While it is the middle of August, you are rebuilding. Your team is not really a contender. What are your thoughts on timing as a rebuilding team? Because the way I see it, the rebuilding teams, they kind of have the leverage as the season goes on. Dan, I know you're contending. I got this player that I, you have your eyes on. I can capitalize. I don't need him. I'm in no rush to really move him because I still think he has value beyond this year. Time is super critical. And I think the main reason why is because when you're rebuilding your roster, you may not have as many assets as you would like. So you need to negotiate from a position of leverage and timing. You know, when a guy's stock is a little bit lower, that's when you could pounce. You wouldn't be able to get them otherwise. And we have seen that all offseason. Just think of Jalen Hurts alone. I don't think I've ever seen a more polarizing guy go up and down. And even myself, there have been times where I'm like, man, you know what? In this roster, this guy could turn my team around. And then, like, no, I don't want Jalen Hurts. You know, he has no job security. He's, he's Beat reporters are saying he's looking bad. And then next thing you know, a player saying, boy, he's got the locker room one. He's right. the guy. Mm-hmm. So we got to try to decipher that information in – when the news is kind of negative and bad, that's when you could get a guy that, if you could read between the lines, you know he's going to be a good player. So, John, time is critical, man. We, we, you need to capitalize on it. Not only is it critical in that regard, Mitch, we talk about injuries all the time. And one of my strategies, and yours too, mm-hmm. you're rebuilding. As long as it's not a career ender, go out and acquire those players that have gotten injured that you now have a huge discount on. But how important is timing? If Cam Akers goes out and blows his Achilles. Do you go out five minutes later and make an offer to that manager? Oh, man. Like, (laughs) I personally would. There's people who are dead set against it. So there's people who will actually get mad if you send an offer about their injured player immediately after it happens. Like, people get really, really upset by this. Um, But timing is so important. Let's say you have Adam Thielen on your team, right? He's a 29 year old wide receiver, 30 year old, however old he is. And he could have a wide receiver one season this year. He could probably have one next year as well, but he is a guy to where I'm not giving name receiver because I hate saying they get injured. So the wide receiver two on your, on someone else's team goes down. They need a wide receiver to keep being competitive because, or maybe Thielen is just going to, help over that bench player that they have. That's when he can move a person like Thielen. Because right now, I'll know about you guys. I'm not offering anything. I'm not waking up tomorrow morning being like, you know what? That person has Adam Thielen. I want to go trade for him. Because I know at some point, he's probably going to want to trade him. So I'm willing to wait. But as soon as I have an injury on my team, I'm be like, no, wait, now I really want Adam Thielen. Yeah, and we always talk about it throughout the offseason as the season approaches, that's when the veterans start to acquire more value. It's very cyclical. Throughout the early stage of the offseason, it's all about the hype and, and the rookies, and it carries over. But, Mitch, you've talked about this previously. Even with startups, we see that trend. Mm-hmm. If you're in a startup today, 
there's some veterans that are probably going a heck of a lot earlier today because people are saying, oh, I got to make sure I have my roster set because I don't have as much time to make moves as opposed to a startup in February where you have all this time to make moves. So uh, for me, and let me know if like, I don't look at it like Mitch, you talked about it. People get upset and I feel like it's more of like, they feel like you're trying to take advantage of them. Yes. And I, I think the way I look at it strategically, of course, is maybe I wait a week or two to make that trade for cam Akers because the wound is still fresh. I don't want to pour salt on the wound because typically you make an offer, especially if it's a little bit on the lower side, people get offended. It's like, you, you know, yelled at my grandmother or something like that, you know, and they take it personally. And I get that to an extent, but I think for me, if you're looking to acquire those players that are injured, it's better to wait, especially if it's a player we keep mentioning cam makers just because that's one that's fresh this off season, especially if it's a player like cam makers that is not magically going to get better and back on the field in three weeks. It's not a short-term injury. I think Mitch adds a good, maybe etiquette point there. Know your league mates. You know, if you don't know them that well, or you know, there's someone that's going to get ticked off, but you still kind of want to be aggressive, send a little courtesy message. Hey, you know, not trying to push it too soon. I don't know where your take is on acres. You know, is he a guy you're looking to move now or do you want to hold? If the answer is yes, great. If not, whatever. And then, you know, there's leagues with degenerates like us that we're just hammering out trades 24-7 and need, hey, you know, Dan's coming now. Be ready. And so know your league mates. One thing that I've been putting together and I've kind of been putting the notes together for the Dynasty Theory Daily, our newsletter, our recap. And one of the things that I've been talking about is trying to package up these camp hype players that for me, analytically speaking, I know Phil might say something different from Mr. Dan over there from Coach Dan, but from an analytic standpoint, for them to hit, they ultimately would have to be an outlier. So you're betting on them being an outlier. But for me, it's the Ramondre Stevenson. It's the players that have kind of popped early in this offseason or early in preseason that I think I might be able to package up. So again, it kind of it's counterintuitive. And I talked about this earlier, moving young players when you're rebuilding but there's time that it makes sense if you believe their value is not going to rise or the production is going to be sustained. And Dan, you kind of, you and I differ a little bit here because there's oftentimes you'll come in and say, I like my guy. I'm sticking with them. Does that ever change for a rebuild for you? It's a good question. And it, it does, it's always changing and evolving, you know, in, in a rebuild, you got to approach things a little bit different, but it depends how much conviction I have in that guy, John. You, you know, and I'm kind of curious as you define camp players, what you mean by camp players? You know, are we talking about the rookies that we were talking about in the preseason, guys we never heard of, or guys that, you know, okay, we've heard the swan song before. There's a lot of different guys I think could fall into that camp, uh, you know, camp equation there. I'm trying to decipher like Ramondre Stevenson, who you mentioned. You know, he got a little bit of a buzz lately, and I don't want to get too caught up in that buzz. But at the same time, he's a guy I like during the draft process before he went to New England. And I'm like, okay, wait a second here. There's talent that I liked on film. Now we're hearing it in camp. Now we're seeing it on film and in the game. So that that's building up where, hey, if I'm rebuilding, there's a young guy that I don't think he's that expensive still. 
you know, just you got to deal with all those New England running backs. So it, there's a lot of variables there, there, JB. And you made a good point, and it was a he was a player specifically. If we're talking about Ramondre Stevenson that you liked pre-draft, and you talked about him, you hyped him up. But from an analytics standpoint, I was out on him before he even landed in New England, especially with that fourth round draft capital. And my point is, based on the metrics and and the the college production and and all that good stuff that I look at analytically, now he pops. He he has a little bit more value. Maybe I'm able to bump up my fourth to a late second or my third to an early second by packaging up with Ron J. Stevenson. Or, I mean, Mitch, we heard about Patterson for Washington. You know, mm-hmm. he was getting some hype. Some of those backup running backs in Detroit, they started to get a little steam. People were talking about them, but there's all kind of players that fit that bill. And like you said, Dan, it's deciphering between who's the real deal and who's a guy that's that's beaten up on third stringers here that might not make an NFL team. I, I think the camp news, a key too is getting that news timely and early and trying to hop on these guys before Ramondre Stevenson's worth more than he should be. Yep. Cause I think if you're rebuilding, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle too, to, to a degree. And it's like, who's a guy that could just break out at low value because I really need that on my roster. Oh, I got some guy. I got some guys lined up here shortly. All right. So some- just to hit off that, I actually think you could go up valued guys right now. Just look at the st- the Jets rookies. Take out Zach Wilson because he's a quarterback. Elijah Moore is worth more now than he was after the draft. I mean, everybody's yep. buying into him. Yep. Michael Carter is in the exact same situation. To where, like, John, you sent me a trade for Michael Carter. I won't trade him to you just because if I trade him to you and he does well, I will never hear the end of it. <laughs> so I don't care what you offer me. That trade isn't going to happen. But on a team to where... I just don't have a lot of faith in. Wait, really, really quick. We're talking <laughs> about strategies all the time and ways to take advantage. And I send Mitch uh, a, a nice offer here, and he throws all strategy and evaluation to the wayside, and he starts to play with spite. Well, yeah. But, oh, hey, I, I always say I, I can deal with that level of pettiness. So I can appreciate that to an extent. Mitch is a prideful man. He's got principles. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not a lot, e- but he's got principles. No, it's called ego, Dan. Get it right. Ego, anyway. Stubbornness. Yeah, all those things. But I was just going to say if someone, I really think today you could trade Elijah Moore for 22 first in the majority of leagues. There'll be one of the league mates yeah. who will pay a first for him. I don't think he went for a first in the last rookie draft in 90% of the leagues I was in. And if he did, it was like the 112. And so to me, that's what you should be doing. You're getting that value bump. You're getting that first. That first could be, be traded for a lot next offseason. It doesn't need to just, hey, I'll take another rookie with it. You could trade it for a good veteran. Michael Carter is starting to get there. He hasn't quite hit the Trey Sermon because Trey Sermon, you know, is getting all that work because Mostert's out. But he's getting close to Sermon with all of the training camp news that's coming out about him now. So once he hits that point, once I could get that first for him, I'm out. Because the reason behind that is that's what you were hoping for the whole time you drafted him. You're like, you know, if he could gain the value, he could get a first, then I could use that first for something that I like a little bit more than that fourth round running back. Especially if it is, oh, fourth round running back. Mitch dropping that and I, I like it. I, I like it. Somebody's been listening. Somebody's been listening. But one thing about that, especially if it's an existing league, you've been going on year three, four, five, you have a pretty good idea which managers are savvy. 
you have a pretty good idea of who is going to sustain that level of activity to keep putting themselves in a situation to be successful. And if I'm picking on Mitch and I see the moves he's making and he's finished 101, 103, 102 in the first three years. Hey, Mitch, I got this intriguing rookie, Elijah Moore. Have you seen the, the hype pieces about him? All these big time analysts talking about him. You need him. Give me your first. You're going to you're going to have a better year this year. So I, I think that you could certainly look at at those picks that you believe have a better chance to to finish a little bit higher here. All right. Anything else there on, uh, you know, we talked about camp hype, whether it's a rookie or maybe a, a little bit more in terms of a veteran. One last comment on Michael Carter and Mitch, you brought this up kind of uh, with the hype he's getting. It kind of came back down a little bit, I think, with how Ty Johnson played last week. Yeah. And I think week two of the preseason is going to be not critical because obviously there's a lot of time left, but for the short term, it's going to be critical in terms of Michael Carter's value, because let's say Ty Johnson goes out there and he's like three carries, eight yards. Michael Carter gets some first team work, has four carries, 33 yards, a touchdown. Then you start to get that steam again because right. we are, you know, the, the fantasy community, we're like goldfish. It's like that 10 second to steal a line from a uh, Ted Lasso. Great series, man. Great series, <laughs> but be a goldfish, be a goldfish. All right. JB, before you segue, I, I just want to add, I, I love the point you made with Mitch of, you know, you having that Elijah Moore and going after the owner who, you know, you're projecting is going to have that top, you know, pick. I also kind of reverse that. And when you're, there are actually some leagues that are still have rookie drafts coming up, yep. but like before that hype hit, you know, everyone's chasing that top number one pick. There's a lot of value in chasing 1.08 to 109 to mm -hmm. 110. And like, I just have this gut feeling this year that like the, and we can have different opinions on the players, but the Elijah Moore's the Jalen Waddles could be as good or better than a Devonte Smith. You know, you know, and man, you got him later and that could be the guy that takes you over the top in that rebuild. So I think it's going after those rookies before their hype is up here, because when in camp, the players and the coaches and the beat writers and everybody's saying, man, this Elijah Moore kid is special. And then they put that special video out there with A.J. Brown telling him he's great and giving him the testimonial. It's too late. It's just it's too late. You can't even get Elijah Moore. Think about how how this is the last thing on this, but think about how early in the off season, how expensive that one Oh one was. I got to get Trevor Lawrence, but now who's adding to Justin Fields for Trevor Lawrence. Who's adding to Trey Lance for Trevor Lawrence. Who's adding to Kyle Pitts? Maybe not even in tight end premium for yeah. Trevor Lawrence. So that's four picks right there. And if you were able to get one Oh three or one Oh four, a tremendous value, depending on your need and what you're looking for, if it's a quarterback and super flex Kyle Pitts and tight end premium, very minimal difference. So I think that's a lesson maybe in the future as well, unless you have a class like a Saquon Barkley where just leaps and bounds better prospect-wise than anything else coming up. But I guess we had that with Trevor Lawrence too. He's supposed to be the, the quarterback god here. All right. He still is. He still is. <laughs> we're fickle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is what it is. I said we're goldfish. So you're rebuilding, Mitch. It's not a blow it up situation, but you have, and I have a lot of teams like this because I trade back in startups. You have a core back room that consists of. Oh, wait, I have one. I have one. How about 
Teddy Bridgewater, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, and Gardner Minshew. Oh, man, that's even worse than I was going to say. But yeah, let's use that. <laughs> so you have Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. And I know earlier you made that comparison with the two. And that's probably why you picked those two names. But Sam Darnold, you think he's going to have two years at least. But let's say he just has this one. Daniel Jones, let's say he just has this one. Would you ever be willing, even in a rebuild, to lose value by packaging two players like that together to get an upgraded quarterback while it isn't a huge value boost? You can really count on that quarterback for at least three or four years. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think of a quarterback right now that that would actually work for is the problem. It would probably maybe Baker Mayfield. I was going to say Baker. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason why I bring him up is fantasy points wise. No one's really like, Hey, I get to start Baker this week, but we know he'll be the starter in Cleveland for the next five years as soon as they get that contract worked out. So yeah, I, I would actually think about doing that in a rebuild. I mean, I would probably ask for maybe like a third back, just a little kick add on piece but it's hoping that the Baker Mayfield uh, side would want to do it as well. Right. Or if you go up a little bit higher, like a Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones, could I get mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill? Maybe they only have two quarterbacks. And they want to get a third. So that, it, this isn't just for quarterbacks. It could be for running backs too. It could be teams that, you know, uh, Mike Davis, Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt, where you think two of those players could potentially lose value and you're upgrading to get a little bit more secure. I know we always talk about running backs. That's a dangerous game to play when you're rebuilding. So maybe wide receiver would be a better look there. I actually have one. So in a league to where I've never made the playoff because I started with a slow build. It didn't go very well. What was that struggle you did? Uh, It was a progressive, regressive. It was some sort of like insurance commercial one. But I traded Tua and a first for Russell Wilson. And it wasn't for the like i'm just not a huge to a guy right yeah now. that's to me brother that was to me you did that. i know that's why i'm bringing it up beauty and so but what that's going to do is even if i don't make the playoffs this year that team is probably a middle of the pack team now and it should come close to competing so it's going to be a mid to a late first more than likely and then i just set up my quarterback room perfectly but dan on the other hand so i did train it to dan the reason why i bring it up is Dan hasn't had a first round pick since that league started because he's actually traded them all to me every single year. So I'm just kind of returning the favor a little bit there, but that's what I did is I turned Tua into Russell Wilson. And now that quarterback room is set. I don't need to worry about it next year's draft to where every year I'm like, Oh, do I need to take the quarterback here? Even though if I don't love the Mac Jones, that's in right there. I might have a few bucks fab in there too, John, just saying. Oh, then it's a big win. Did you call mom? You always say something to, to call <laughs> right mom. After, man, I was on the phone. I says, mama, I got a little something to, to come home and tell you about. Little fab. She was proud of me, JB. She was proud. Did she say, Daniel, that is fabulous? <laughs> she might have. Now, she let me have. say, there's a disclaimer. Here. I do not endorse that trade that Mitch made. I, I, I understand the build of it, but I, I am, have a little bit more faith in Tua I'm not used to this support from John. I I have a little more faith in Tua, and that's indicative in my tiers, which are available on the Dynasty Theory Patreon. Yeah, you should drop Tua a little bit in your tiers. No, I think I have him like one tier above you, John. But no, the convictions here, Dan. I think there was a little bit more stability. But I listen. I understand and can appreciate the the makeup of that trade. I just think maybe one tier lower 
I'm, I'm a little nervous with the high-speed Seattle offense here they're talking about. And, you know, could Russ really be free? But my conviction with Tua stands strong. As, as long as he does what I am projecting, I'm feeling very good about that trade. But there, there's risk on both sides. That was a fun trade. Yeah. All right. So so we're all in agreement, though, that for the most part, Dan, I don't know if you really spoke to this yet, but packaging up assets that today a higher value than what you're acquiring but from a rebuild perspective, you feel much better about it maybe two years out. Because if you hang on to that Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, uh, uh, I've got J- that, J- J- Jalen Hurts, you hold <laughs> on to those those three quarterbacks. I got three quarterbacks. I'm good. And now this time next year, you're like, I got to get a quarterback. Yeah, I, I like the, the theory that you've presented here. I, I do put a little disclaimer of just be cautious with the quarterback position because you don't want to go two for one and then the guy you have doesn't pan out and then you have nothing and don't, you know, don't get caught up on the quarterback position that just yeah, yeah. You know, just, i just want our example, listeners to example. tread a little more cautiously on the quarterback but i do love that concept because i do try and forecast out as another way of creating leverage all right you know right now looking at values this owner might see this player a little bit higher. I think this player is definitely going to lose value. Now's the time to trade. I take that two for one. And it's just a matter of seeing that ahead of the other owner where I could get rebuilding pieces that I wouldn't otherwise. So again, it is about going back to timing. And I think it's a, a calculated risk you could take for us or, or a small hit to get a player that you want. Mitch, we talked a lot about, and this is in the show notes. So I'm throwing you for a loop here, but it just came to me. We talked a lot about you have two or three dynasty teams. You're probably not going to completely blow it up. Mm-hmm. But let's say you only have a few teams and you want to try that. You want to blow one team up or you have several teams and you blow one up or you blow multiple up. It doesn't matter. How willing are you to do what we just talked about versus maybe acquiring those riskier assets? Or is there ever a threshold where you're like, I want that safer route. I want to have that two, three year outlook as a rebuild or my team's so bad. I need to hit a few of those home runs. The singles and doubles aren't going to do it today. Yeah. I'm not looking to take a value hit in that kind of blow up because what I want to do is if I'm blowing it up, I want the one one and worst case, I want the one Oh two. So the problem is if you're trading up to get a little bit more value, say that player just helps you win one more game right. and that one game messes you up or potential points wise, they just give you enough points to where it just messes you up. You end up with the 103 and the 104. And as much as the values there with those guys, people would much rather trade for the 101 and the 102. It's just how it is. It's how it always will be. But so in those ones, those are the ones to where you blow it up and you want multiple rookie picks. And then you're going to have to hit on all of them because this is what we always stress against. You blow it up, all of a sudden you take. Uh, Burrow, and then you take CEH last year. Burrow's injured, so he kind of holds his value. CEH dropped like a rock afterwards. And then you're like, well, I felt great when I had the 102 and the 103 last year. Now I feel like I had kind of like two mid-round firsts instead. And so you're still, even though you're getting those rookie picks, you're still taking a chance on getting a player that's even good in the league. And I think that's just something that I want to constantly remind people is when you blow it up, it doesn't mean your team's going to be good in four years. It could mean 10 years down the road, you're still rebuilding because you traded away every good asset you had for lotto picks. But I, I, I think that's important to talk about the pick aspect, but more players like let's get out of the quarterback position. 
like if you're in a complete rebuild, are you okay gambling a little bit more on a Cam Akers? Obviously, we know about the injury. Oh, yeah, gambling a little bit more on even a Josh Jacobs whose value is so depressed. Not, <laughs> but or you know, I, again, don't get too caught up on that name. But a player whose value you is said so- we're going to talk about players, and you brought up two names. And then we have two two more prompts here that we're going to get oh, to. Don't we didn't like those names, though, John. We didn't like those names. All right. Uh, I will say running backs, no. I'm really not looking to trade for a running back in one of those. Because if you are, it's like James Robinson types, right? Yep. Because no good running backs, people aren't, aren't going to want to trade him in the first place. So, like, you're hoping for a Ronald Jones, maybe? And it's just not the kind of prospect I want to go for if I'm looking to really start to rebuild. All right, this is a name that's popped up. I feel like this has consumed the the Discord recently. Oh, no. DJ Shark, right? So 24 years old, value is depressed right now. I think we can all agree on that. Maybe a player that you're not thinking, oh, I'm rebuilding. That's somebody I want to go out and get. A little bit, the value's lower, so you're not going to have to spend an arm and a leg. But if he has a strong 2021, we're going to see that bump in values. But... If he struggles here, you lose tremendous value. So there is risk associated with that. that that's the type of player I'm talking about here. So we, we, you said you don't want to talk about running backs. You don't like the running backs I brought up. What about you? I, I like some running backs. I think like if you can't get LaVisca Chenault or Jerry Judy, then Cortland Sutton and DJ Shark could be young, talented, attractive guys with upside that you could get at a value now. And I think just running backs, it's finding the Damian Harris's and the Zach Mosses and guys we've talked about. You know, even Ronald Jones is in that class. I'm I'm not as high on a Ronald Jones. Some people are still truthers, but there there are those lower level guys that have upside and you get yourself a young starting running back. See where it goes. So John, as you said, there's like two more prompts coming up. Yeah. And like I have Shark listed down below because he is like the, head a little the bit. perfect guy, right? Someone else I'll bring up that I kind of think it fits. And he actually showed a little bit last year, but not a lot. Everyone's on Brian Edwards right now, right? Brian yeah. Edwards is the dude for the Raiders. I'm still willing to go get Ruggs. Ruggs is the one to where he could have four games next year to where he has 100 yards and a touchdown, right? And it's really all that he does, but everyone will have that in his head. And they'll be like, you know what? If he's my wide receiver at three, I could deal with that. I mean, you're never going to get the draft capital from last year back because that's sailed at this point. But you could get him for, I think, for a second in just about every league. That's fair. I mean, value-wise, we're not trading picks for him, of course. Right, But like value-wise, that's where he is. That's what I'd be looking to do is get a guy like Shark, like you brought up. Or like rucks. All right. Well, let's transition here. I did jump the gun a little bit here, but now I keep saying, don't get caught up in the position of the name, but now we are getting caught up in the name. Dan, you had some issues with my lower target guys. I've been mentioning. So we're (laughs) going to fight here tonight, but you're in a rebuild. Who are some lower value targets, whether you're smack dab in the middle of it, or you're just entering it that you are looking to acquire on these teams. And then just a quick blurb. Let's run through these so you can get out and and watch your hard knocks. Hard knocks, baby. Hey, I, I think, you know, rebuild, It's it, it does, there is a piece where I'm trying to compile rookies, rookie wide receivers, running backs. We talked about I had rosters where I traded a lot of my first and second rounders. So I compiled third and fourth rounders and tried to find the Ramondre Stevensons, the, the Antonio Gibsons of years, years past, trying to find those kind of guys. But then the players, J.B., 
I try to go into this little exercise we're doing here and not just looking at who we're looking at today. Cause I think there's different guys we have chased throughout this off season. There's different guys we have obtained at different points throughout this off season. So, you know, if we're talking today, a guy who's catching my eyes, Jalen Rager, you, you know, he's starting to really kind of creep back up. It makes me wish I went for him when I hated him, you know, months ago. Um, but I've traded for guys like Darnell Mooney over the off season, where again, you get some positive feedback. I heard positive buzz last year, both years from sources that, that I, I like listening to and I believe in. So I try to get those Darnell Moonies, the Michael Pittmans. I think back to last year's draft where I liked Michael Pittman and then he kind of it kind of went quiet again. The Colts have kind of went quiet and Wentz is hurt. So it's like, all right, hey, maybe now's the time to get Michael Pittman. You know, I like McCall Hardman. I, I like that Mitch brought up Edwards and Ruggs. I think there's been times where you just kind of fall back late in a draft and those Raiders players just slide and you're like, okay. You know, these are some guys you, you could get and, and rebuild. So there's a lot of young receivers that fit that category. Rebuilt a lot of quarterback rooms over the offseason. Sam Darnold, Jalen Hurts, who we talked about, they fit in that mold throughout the offseason of, of guys I try to rebuild with. Young guys with upside, the price was right. Um, if you could get the Zach Wilsons and Mac Jones after the, you know, the, the big, big three running quarterbacks are gone. Um, and then Moss and Harris were young running backs that I liked. Mitch, oh, it had to happen. We almost made it though. Silence, on mute. Mitch. You're, you're on, on mute. Buddy. I'm on mute. I we thought almost I hit the made it. No, I hit we the almost button. made it. But so, like we've been talking about, hey, sell the guys when they hit this hype, right? Like someone has a good play in preseason. We're like, okay, you want to trade him? On rebuilds, I think it's okay if there's a guy that you kind of like or you think can do well in an offense to go out and get him. Maybe that person is like, okay, this is my one chance to trade him when he hasn't really tried to trade him all off season. They're like, okay, Hey, I'm actually going to try to now. So bring someone like KJ Hamler, right? KJ Hamler had the one good play and he was very good. And he had like what an 80 yard touchdown catch. Um, he's someone to where if I'm in a rebuild and I could get him for, a vet or have him added in as a piece. I think it's a move that I'm willing to make because we don't know what that offense really is yet. Like, as everybody says, who's a true lock fan, he's had so many different offensive coordinators. Sutton's been out. He hasn't had all the position pieces in place. And maybe this is the one year that does it. And then the one other person I was going to bring up, John's going to disagree, but it's Gerald Everett. Like Dan brought up that Seahawks offense. It's just, I think there's enough people who are like, you know what? I've seen this before. I'm not buying in here. To where, like weekly DFS-wise, Russell Wilson's tight end is a play almost every week. Like if you could just happen to pick the one they're going to put on the field that week, you could play him most weeks. And so Gerald Everett followed his, I think, I want to say it was the passing game coordinator or something like that, right? From the Rams. Don't remember exactly what his job title was, but he followed him to the Seahawks. And so there's that little bit there. Maybe he was told you come here. I'm going to make sure you get, you know, volume. And so I'm willing to go and get him to where I don't think you probably are, John. I'm not actively trying to get him, whether it's a rebuild, a contender, it doesn't matter, but I don't disagree enough to cause a fuss over it. I, I don't think right, like it, if, if anybody else said it, I, I wouldn't raise my 
my eyes. You know, so just because Mitch says it, I'm not going to get extra critical. <laughs> now, we talked about not wanting to look at running backs, and I agree with the higher-end running backs. Like, we're not paying up to get a DeAndre Swift in a rebuild, to get even a Miles Sanders who has a depressed value. If you're rebuilding, that's something I'm not looking to take on. But there are low-value guys that are either available on the waiver wire or I've had success getting them added into a deal. So I don't come out and say, Mitch, player A, this is the guy I want. All right, well, that price just got a little more expensive. But now we're looking at other pieces. I'll throw this guy in. All right, yeah, we'll get the deal done. So two guys, and uh, this kills me because they're oldies. They're 23 years old. Oh, okay. I, when you said old, I'm like, please don't say Wayne Gallman again. We've no, 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 but two guys, 23 years old rookies, but have had some hype. Not only hype, but this is something, Mitch, you've talked about previously. Not so much what are the stats looking like during the preseason? Who's running with the ones? And it's happening at practice too. Kylan Hill over in Green Bay, and we're staying in the same division. Khalil Herbert for the Chicago Bears. So Tariq Cohen, still issues there in Chicago. David Montgomery, yeah, he was using the passing game last year. Can Khalil Herbert, who's been getting some usage there, get some work? If he does, and I get him as a throw in a deal, again, I think he would have to be an outlier to have long-term success. So I would look to trade him. But if he pops, I think I could get a second I, I eventually. you know. And if not, I moved a small asset to acquire him or he was a throw-in. Same with Kylan Hill. We know A.J. Dillon is not going to be involved in the passing game in Green Bay. So if Aaron Jones were to go down, and I hope he doesn't because I have a lot of Mr. Aaron Jones, but if Aaron Jones goes down, A.J. Dillon gets the first and second down work, Kylan Hill gets used in the receiving game, a receiving game that has Devontae Adams and a lot of question marks, that could be intriguing. But same thing, analytically speaking, not somebody that I think is going to have long-term success. I would look to move him. This is where Dan and I are going to fight. We're going to throw some fisticuffs here. He knocked this guy in the Discord. He is on a he's on every waiver wire. I he, knew he couldn't hold himself back. No, listen. <laughs> he, he was too quiet in the Discord. He was waiting for tonight. Yeah, I I, I was getting a little chippy and then I walked away. I probably made myself a cup of tea. I tried to relax a little bit, throw some chamomile in there, whatever you do. So he is available on every single waiver wire. The New Orleans Saints just waved Stevie Scott. And I still have to dump him off of a ton of rosters because I'm sitting on him but tony jones over there okay so this is something that our guys over at nfl rough draft mike and ray talk about constantly you have to look at what is going to get these guys on the 53-man roster those running backs there camara he's not playing special teams Devonte freeman that minimum he's not playing special teams still and latavius murray he's not playing special teams so something's got to give so tony jones could get on that top 53 just off special team, I'm all rattled here. Special teams alone, but then there's an injury above him. Latavius Murray, he's 74 years old. Uh, uh, Devontae Freeman, he hasn't shown much. If a player like Tony Jones really excels here throughout the rest of the preseason, sure, there's a good chance he gets cut. But again, he's on your waiver wire. $1,000 budget, I threw 7 bucks on him. So if you're in a league with me, and we have a thousand dollar budget, and he's on free agent wire. And you want to screw me over? Throw eight bucks on, and you'll get him. And I can respect that. I can respect the gamesmanship. One last running back, Salvon Ahmed. 
All right. I know there was that really crowded running back room in Miami. People were saying it's going to be the hot hand. Malcolm Brown, he's going to be out of there after 2021. I don't think they extend to beyond that. If he shows enough, Salvan Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, they show enough here in 2021. This is a kind of team, the way they're building their team, that they don't spend high draft capital on a running back again in 2022. So Ahmed, just a dirt cheap option. Get him as a throw in. Again, if he pops, look to move him. These are guys I'm looking to flip in my rebuild. Uh, and I know he's an exclusive rights free agent after 2021. But again, if he shows something, maybe they, they keep him. And then two wide receivers, Deami Brown and Amari Rogers, because I think they are just dirt cheap right now. I like that you brought up Ahmed there from Miami. He has caught my eye. He caught my eye last year. He caught my eye this year. Is just a, a skilled kid that, you know, has some fancy relevance at the bottom of the roster. I think I got him in a in a throw-in or two in a couple yep. of trades this offseason. But I'm starting to wonder, like, is Miami – like, the, they, I think Coach Flores took a couple principles from New England with him, and yeah. I'm starting to really feel that running back by committee, no name – is becoming their way because I was really feeling Gaskin going into this offseason and I am like I'm really not with Matt Malcolm Brown getting the first team reps and I don't want to read too much into that but he was he was horrendous to Gaskin like you just put Malcolm Brown I don't maybe that's a little subliminal message we don't know what went on at practice but it's it's interesting if I can acquire Miles Gaskin for even less not in a rebuild but even less now on a contender let me let me see what I can do all right Mitch I was just going to say, you brought up um, those running backs and said, hey, if I could trade him for a second, anyone who's wondering and being like, no, no, that's not going to happen with these running backs. Joshua Kelly last year was moved for firsts in leagues that I was in. I mean, it happens with running backs. The only thing they need is like the one game and another starter goes out. And then yep. all of a sudden it's like, no, this guy's going to give me a second. You have to give me a first. And that's what it turns into. That's what it is with Tony Jones. That's what it is with Kylan Hill, where I said Aaron Jones is going to have to miss time and he will get the passing game work. Khalil Herbert with uh, Tariq Cohen and Salvin Ahmed. Xavier Jones for the Rams. Yeah. Yeah. All these guys could return value. But again, what's the long-term prospect? Not great. So it certainly is, to to an extent, a dangerous game here we're playing in terms of counting on these guys, trying to flip them for a profit, but you're losing out on minimal... uh, value here if you take them on and they miss which is a very good chance they do miss in all reality but some options i was looking at some very low value targets mitch let's go a little higher up here higher priced assets you're looking to take on you're rebuilding who has your eye okay we're running late so i'll bring them up again it's carson wentz carson wentz right now is a quarterback his values he is a quarterback yes right i know he is (laughs) as a quarterback Good thing he isn't a running back because it probably wouldn't work out too well. But his value is probably at the lowest point we're going to see, in my opinion, this offseason. Because that offense was fine with Jacoby Prissett as the quarterback, right? Like, it doesn't matter who they put back there. And from what we hear um, about them working on his footwork and trying to figure that out and having the routes match up with what he wants to do, I just think he's a very safe quarterback to get right now. And if you could give me a safe quarterback for the next two years and add a depressed value, that's what I want because he's getting close to the Derek Carr level as far as dynasty value. It's and close, once yeah. you get there and you could tell me like I could have that quarterback for two years, 
I mean, I'm not paying a lot for him, so I'm more than okay going out and try to get him still. Yeah, Carson Wentz is somebody. But now with the positive reports that are coming out, maybe the value goes up a little bit. But a lot of people, they were out on him prior. Mm-hmm. So now they're using this to further their value assessment. I, I, that's fair. I get it. We all do it to an it's extent. Something. But I'm still, I'm still on that Carson Wentz train because of where he was going in startups this offseason. All right, Dan, any guys that you're looking to buy? Well, uh, the higher price assets that you're okay acquiring as a rebuilding team? Yeah, I have been all off season and continue to be the market starting. Like, you know, a lot of people are, are catching up a bit, but I'm just so huge on Tua and Waddle. Um, I went into this off season with zero shares and now I probably have like 50% roster ship of, of Tua there in Miami, just believing in the young talent, going back to where his value was last year, looking at what they did at the off season. He's no longer just throwing to Jakeem Grant and Alan Hearns anymore. He's got really weapon, you know, weapons. I Poor like Alan Hearns, man. He, uh... Every year, guy, something Some real cr- terrible injuries. So I, I, I picked him up everywhere. Whenever the Cowboys signed him a few years back, he was on free agents. I was like, oh, this is it. He's going to really blow up. <laughs> Solid dude that hasn't gotten a break, man. But uh, yeah, so those Miami guys are my tops. I, I've went after some shares when stocks fluctuated this off season with Judy and LaVisca. Um, you know, if you could get somehow they didn't, you know, going into the offseason, I, w- I was going after those top picks or get a chase, get a pits, get a big building block to rebuild. Maybe someone wants to get off of JJ Lamb or DK for some odd reason. Um, and then Dobbins and CEH at the running back position were just guys at different times that are kind of a little bit intriguing to me. I, I see CEH is one that I haven't talked about a lot, I haven't really been on. But that Kansas City O-line's really coming around there. Um, he's becoming a little more intriguing to me lately. All right, so I'm looking at Tua, Deontay Johnson, Juju, Judy, Sutton, Mark Andrews, who apparently is hated by everybody. I like his, He went from a guy I wanted nothing to do with to, okay, let's talk. Yeah, now I'm okay with him, right? Yeah, uh, Mac Jones, I think he's that young quarterback that still, it happens all the time. He hasn't gotten you know the guaranteed starter here the starting role in 2021 so his value is still a little pressed and then our man dan michael gallup something's going to change next season so i think getting him at his value now there could be a little pop there mitch is making a face he could be the next tyrell williams don't you dare don't you dare now and then i talk about there's a few players in a rebuild you're not really thinking about acquiring it kind of sounds counterintuitive but I'm okay pivoting off of higher end quarterbacks for Tannehill, Russ, Baker. I believe those guys have stability over the next several years. And at wide receiver, he's still he's only 26 years old. Amari Cooper is just severely mm-hmm. undervalued. Agreed. I, 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 you again, Dan. You would think that I'm the Cowboys fan here. I'm talking about Gallup. I'm talking about uh, Amari Cooper here. But people don't want him. So I'll take him and he's going to be okay for a contender or a rebuild. And I don't think you have to break the bank. You can move some aging assets possibly. I think you can move a Mike Davis plus if somebody's contending, they need a running back. I, I don't think that plus would be anything that you need to break the bank. And then what do you guys think about Javante Williams? I think he's going to rise in value. Oh, he's, if he hasn't after last week's game, he will after next week's game. Yeah. But, his value. But I mean, is... going into 2022, like we're looking a year out, he could have, top 12 running back written all over him in ADP. 
Oh, easy. Yeah, I agree. No, he can keep going up from here. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to get him, go and get him now because that Melvin Gordon, you know, him being the running back one isn't going to last for too much longer. I think he fits to me in that case, in that class with Waddle. I just think there's still more ceiling there where these guys could really break out. Uh, a friend of mine went to Miami Dolphins camp a week ago, former quarterback of mine, a semi-pro. His, his buddy's a diehard Dolphins fan, and he goes, wow, Waddle is fast. <laughs> like, he just caught his eye. So it's in, it's in the back of my head. I like this comment from Jacob here. My hot take is Javante and Najee are in the same running back tier next season. I can see that. I, I that, see yeah, that. Yeah. I don't think that's a hot take at all. You know, I, I think that's a, a good observation, something that could realistically happen. There was a path for that. The I Steelers, mean, Najee will be like 24 at that point, he, so he, he'll, he'll drop like six tiers. He yeah, costs I mean, so much more than Javante, so even though it's not a hot take, it still kind of is, John, because people aren't willing to pay what they are for Najee. Right, right, right. But I mean, as the 2022 season approaches, it's yeah. something I could see, especially if the Steelers struggle, Melvin Gordon struggles, Javante takes over. Melvin's not there next year. So there is a path for that. Yeah. So I I like that comment a lot here. Final thoughts. All right, Dan, we made good time here. Started a few minutes early, getting you out of here before. Are you going to sign off with us tonight? I will because I'm so grateful that you've kind of started early, got us out on time. Just, you know, it's hard knock season for me. It's the Cowboys. So I appreciate the love boys. Um, looking forward to hard knocks tonight, man. You know, I think when dynasty theory travels to Canton, Ohio next year, I think I need that suitcase that Zeke got to Dak. So, you know, my birthday's in July. If, if one of our listeners could look up and see how much that suitcase actually oh. costs, I'd be so curious. Cause it's kind of an odd birthday gift, but I got a feeling it's like uber expensive. And, uh, I'm getting a little nervous about my Simi Fahuku takes here you know yeah like i'm not seeing a path to him i, I think he can go down to the practice squad and get sniped by another team and then I, i'm gonna be miserable but we'll see what happens there and then jb my boy kevin white has another shot in new orleans he's a former student and athlete of mine at lackawanna <laughs> college for the you know nine lives here he, he's got a ninth life we'll see what happens so just yeah, a fun I, final take tonight i saw that earlier today and then t- tim tebow cut i know there's a lot of jokes and all that but i think the jaguars had to I mean, they, they had to. And then Alfred Morris, he was cut by the Giants. Karen Johnson waived with the injury designation. We talked about that in detail on the Discord. So he was waived, but still could be lingering there in Philly. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Mitch, final thoughts for the listeners, 130 episodes in. So Dan talked about, you know, a TV show. So I might as well, too. And the reason why I bring this up is because... We're going to be taking over the TVs in our houses for like the next six months, right? (laughs) My word of wisdom is if your significant other likes watching Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise is starting up. Actually started yesterday. I'm watching it We we watched it last night. (laughs) Take your time. You're like, football is going to be on for the next four months. Be like, look, I could sit down. I could watch Bachelor in Paradise. And I promise, no matter... Bachelor in Paradise is a great show to watch. It's good. Like, it's just a good show. It, it wasn't so bad. It was I recommend watching that one if you have to. And David Spade was a guest host last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, David Spade? He looked good for his, like, he looked solid. I, you know, um, but yeah, there's always these shows or things. And I know, Dan, you rib me in the in the chat all the time. Um, but we do, we do like I dominate the TV like four nights a week. I'm like, I can, I can deal with this. I can watch your shows. It's fine. All right. 
this was a fun episode. Dan, I'm glad that you stuck around here. How many more weeks is Hard Knocks? That's a good question. You think I would know that? Isn't it at least like four or five episodes? I would guess four. Yeah. I've I've never watched an episode of Hard Knocks. Can I say that? Can I say it? But I've I've Dan to recap it for me, so it's great. Surprised. I got watch Game of Thrones either. Yeah, I know. So the next few weeks, maybe we could kick off at eight fifty-five for you, Dan, just to get a few minutes. There you Appreciate go, you, man. All right, like I said, Discord, Patreon, over at Underdog Fantasy, use code Theory Instant $25 deposit bonus. You'll spend it that day, I promise. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. We will catch everybody later. See you next week.